Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. And when I first met today's guest and I discovered her love for the word of God and her love for helping other people discover the word of God, I knew that I had to have her here on the show. I could not wait to have her on the podcast. Beth Jones has been teaching the Bible basics for over 30 years. She's a Bible teacher, she's a pastor, and she's an author who's passionate about helping new and seasoned Christians connect the Bible dots. And you know that if you've listened for any time at all here in the podcast, you know that that is something that I am deeply passionate about, us grounding our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. But Beth has written more than 20 books, including the popular Getting a Grip on the Basics series. She has a brand new book, Getting the Grip on the Basics of Prayer. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And I loved one of her recent books, Reinvent. And we're going to talk about some of the steps that we can walk through to reinvent, especially after the last couple of years that we've all been through. And, and her Getting a Grip series has been translated into more than 25 languages. She's also the founder of the Basics University, an online platform designed for faith-based learning and discipleship. She hosts the Basics with Beth television program being aired on networks around the world. She's known for teaching the Bible basics in a relatable, humorous, and down-to-earth way. And she and her husband, Jeff, just like my and my husband, husband, founded a church, serve as the senior pastors of Valley Family Church in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and they have four adult children who are all married and serving the Lord. So you're going to have so much to glean from. So lean in, get ready for this amazing conversation with Beth. Welcome, Beth. I'm so excited to have you here. Uh, Thank you, Angela. It's so good to be with you. And thanks for the nice intro. Oh, I love it. And I've loved your resources. I knew the moment I met you in January, I'm like, I am going to be a fan of all things, Beth. And I so am. And, you know, I'm intrigued by your love for God's word. I always wonder what helped someone to develop that. So you're really known for this back to the basics, getting a grip on the basics with Beth. How did you come to love God's word, Beth? And how did you want to make it accessible for others the way that you do? Yeah, thanks. Well, first, I, I felt the same way when I met you, by the way. I just want you to know. I told my husband after we met, I said, I like her. She, she's so cool and normal. So Aww. I'm really glad Thanks. that God has put something together here. <laughs> Me too. Um, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic. And I was always so grateful for having been raised Catholic. But when I was 19, my roommate in college, who had been a friend since third grade, led me to the Lord, really to a personal relationship with the Lord. And I began reading the Bible for the first time. Hmm. And man, oh man, I mean, I, the way I say it was like, God was sitting on my shoulder, you know, revealing my life as I read the pages. And of course, eventually living in my heart, but I just developed a love for the word because it was so alive. It was so Hmm. living and probably the biggest trigger I would say, as I go back and think about that for, for loving the word is, you know, when Jesus was in the temptation, um, in the wilderness and the devil is trying to tempt him to turn the stones into bread. And he said, man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word, every rhema word, that revelation that comes from God's mouth. And man, that was just so quickened. Like, okay, you can let, you can live that way. You can live by every word that God speaks to your heart from his word, by his spirit. And I just grabbed onto that. 
So then the Bible became like a treasure hunt Mm. because now as I'm reading the Bible, I'm not just reading words. And I know you know this as well. I'm listening for the words he's speaking to me that I'm going to live by, like directionally in marriage and parenting and ministry, you know, really in every area of life. And I think that was the beginning. And then the passion to share it with others, you know, of course, Mm. um, came into play. Did you understand what you were reading right away? Or was it just like you were in love with it and kind of, you know, over the moon with this new experience? Because somewhere it became obvious to you that, okay, this isn't always easily understood and needs to be accessible because you're a whole back to the basics. And I have your latest book right here, um, Getting a Grip on the Basis of Prayer. So this has been a real heartbeat of yours. It's not just your love for the word, but okay, for some people, maybe they don't love it because they don't understand it. Totally. So where, like, where did that light bulb come on for you? Well, I mean, because I was raised, you know, in the church and I never knew this stuff. Mm. And when the dots connected and the light bulbs came off, came on, I was so excited for me, but that passion to help others. But what I realized is they don't just need to know more of what they already know. They need to know what they don't know. And that, And that's all of us, you know, it's like, we don't know what we don't know. And the revelation knowledge of the word to me is key. So for an example, when I teach get a grip on the basics, which I love, it's my passion. I've heard this phrase hundreds of times over the last 30, 35 years, I'll teach the most basic lesson from, you know, from the workbooks. And somebody will say to me, I have been in church for 30 years. I have never heard these things. It's like Mm -hmm. the whole Bible has come alive again. And it's such basic stuff, but it's the revelation. I'll give you one example. It's the revelation. Like for an example, um, for God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but would have everlasting life or eternal life. And so when we tell people you already have eternal life, it started the day Jesus became your Lord. Mm. You're not going to get it the day you die. That's good. Eternal life, the qualitative eternal life, Zoe life begins the minute Jesus becomes our Lord. So you don't have to wait till you die to have eternal life. Well, that's like a basic, basic, but it's a dot that connects. And then they get excited. Like, well, what else don't I know that belongs to me in Christ? You know, that's just a simple example, but I love it. I love it when the light bulbs turn on for people because it's life-changing as you know. And you've had like a quarter of a million people have gone through the original, you know, kind of your flagship series for someone who's listening, maybe they're new in their faith, or maybe they're a a pastor or a leader, like, where would you want them to start? Would it be the very first, you know, back of the basics books? Because you have online courses they could take as well. What is your kind of, what, what process would you say? Here's what I would recommend. Right. The, The pathway we recommend is, you know, to start with getting a grip on the basics. And the reason is, even though it's stuff we all maybe know and have known for a lot of years, mm-hmm. there's something so refreshing about returning to our first love. Yeah. And I love what the Apostle Paul said in the Message Bible, in Colossians 1, he said, you know, we preach Christ, you know, him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man. But the, there's a phrase in there, it says, to be mature is to be basic. Mm. So the idea being start with the basics, strengthen your foundation, relearn what you already know, fill in the gaps, what you don't know. And then I just take them through getting a grip on the basics of serving God, getting a grip on the basics of health and healing, all the redemptive realities, Mm. getting a grip on the basics of generous living. And then this new book, getting a grip on the basics of prayer so that we can really learn the who, what, when, where, why, and how of effective prayer. So Mm. 
that would be, that would, you know, in my perfect world, that would be the order I would recommend. I love it. And I think too, with so much happening, even in the realm of denominations and churches that is off Bible, um, progressive Christianity or other schools of thoughts that, that sound really interesting and attractive, but it preys on men and women who just, especially millennials, Gen Xers, who just do not have a good grasp of the word of God. And like, for example, we pastor a really diverse church. So we've got a lot of different ethnicities. We've got a lot of different denominational backgrounds that they're coming from a lot of different experiences. I just had a lunch with new women yesterday, Beth, and I would say eight out of 10 of them have either walked through a divorce. They're going through a divorce, like so much brokenness. And they had just come to our church in the last three months. So it's telling me post COVID, I mean, you're talking, people are really, their world has just been rocked, whether the marriage didn't survive it or their mental health took a huge hit. So what that tells me is I can't make any assumptions as a pastor leader, even a woman friend that people are coming to church on a Sunday morning and just getting what they're getting on a Sunday morning. There may be huge gaps in their knowledge of, like you said, basic fundamental truths. Even someone who's come to church for 10 years. I mean, I agree. And, and, and the thing that's funny and what I love about God's word, and I'm sure you do too, is we read the same scriptures year after year, but it's like an onion, man, that the revelation just peels back yeah. on verses we've read a hundred times. So to your point about people coming out of brokenness and trauma and all that we've all been through these last couple of years, the most, one of the most basic verses of all is in first John four, it says, it's not that we loved him is that he loved us. Yeah. That's a massive revelation because we're so works oriented. Yes. And we so much think, oh, it's that I love the Lord and I sing songs about my love for the Lord and oh God, I love you. And it's all about us loving the Lord, except for that scripture says it's not that we love the Lord. Right. It's that he loved us. So the revelation people get now, especially on how much God loves us. And we, we really have no idea, do we? I mean, really? No. How much he loves us. And he has demonstrated it. And just that basic alone, if people can get the revelation and know and believe the yeah. love God has for them, it's basic, but boy, coming out of COVID, it's so life-changing. And really that's been the premise of your book reinvent, which was before getting a grip on the basis of prayer. But you mentioned that scripture. I have that too. I'm going to lean yeah. into that in just a minute oh, good. because Number one, I think this is so valuable right now coming out of COVID. I mean, we're believing we're out of it in the name of Jesus right. in the rearview mirror, but mm-hmm. you know, reinvent, start fresh and love life. So there's so much in this. It's divided into two main sections, but you mentioned that scripture. I thought of it from your own personal story, which I'd love for you to just, you know, lean a little bit more into that in a moment. And myself, I grew up in the church, but I grew up pretty kind of on the legalistic side of things, Beth. And then I'm the oldest of three. So I had this feeling and belief, false belief that the more I did for God, the more he would love me. And so I did not have that revelation of the verse you were just quoting. And it wasn't until my health nearly failed me. I, I nearly died in 2001. And again, in 2003, and I've talked about that on the podcast. So I won't go into that here, but that was what God uses a catalyst to do a lot in my life. But Ah. one of the main things he did early on is Angela, I love you, period. You do because of my love for you, not to earn it. Or I I had it so backwards. And I think a lot of Christians do because grace feels so 
nebulous and like nailing jello to a wall, but we can understand to do lists and yeah. works based, you know, righteousness, even though we wouldn't say we do that. I, I think a lot of us get in that trap. So oh, now yeah. my, now my life first is Romans 12 too, in view of God's mercy, because of what he's done for us, because of his love for us, then present your body as a living sacrifice. So I, I think we'll spend our whole life, Beth, really grasping the revelation of the love of God. We get it maybe intellectually, but how do we really fully understand that kind of love? I know. I agree with you 100%. And we're so embedded in an if-then mindset. Like you Mm. said, if I do this, then God will love me. Instead of because he loves me, then I can do this. You know, it's it's a basic tweak, but it's such a massive tweak to get the revelation of his love. And I think you're right. I think we just get religious. You know, we're very works oriented, you know, Americans tend to be in other nations as well. And um, our checklists and all that is, yeah. is kind of how we operate. So it's a God thing. I think you have to hear teaching on it, you know, you hear, read books, hear teaching on it, but then the Holy Spirit, I think really unlocks it for us. And you kind of fall to your knees like, God, you're so good. You're, yeah. you're, you're way better than I thought. Yeah. Like you said, changing that one word, I've never put that side by side, but shifting your paradigm from if then to because then, which also it, it, it puts us in a posture, Beth, of constantly wanting to live in the revelation of the love of God. Because once I do understand that, I mean, because we'll never fully exhaust it or, okay, I've, I've totally arrived in it. It makes, it makes faith such an adventure. It makes this so liberating and freeing to know that every day is another day that you get to encounter and experience the love of God. I mean, I was a worship pastor for 20 years and I love a quote that Tim Hughes says that worship is our response to the revelation of God. So what that means is he's constantly revealing himself. So how can I not worship? So if we're kind of like dead in our worship or numb, it means somewhere the revelation of who God is, his love for us has become stale or dry, or we just haven't caught on to it. Like you're talking about. Totally. Well, I mean, like something that, that is so simple, you know, you know, the, um, when Jesus was water baptized and the voice came from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Right. Jesus hadn't done anything yet. I mean, yeah. he had been a kid. He just been yeah. a son. He hadn't walked on water. He hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't healed anybody, but God was wanting everybody to know I am ple- well pleased with him before mm-hmm. he does anything. Well, then Jesus prays in John 17, Father, I pray that they would know that you love them as you love me. Well, how did he love Jesus? Unconditionally before he did anything as his beloved. And like, to me, that's a revelation as well to be like, God, before, because I think as women, we can be works oriented and legalistic depending on our upbringing in church. And it's like, but even if I don't like, you know, do all the stuff that you want to do for the Lord. But even if I didn't do it, you would still love me. And I would still be just as righteous in your eyes because of Jesus. And mm-hmm. I could breathe, you know, fresh air and not feel guilt or shame or intimidation. Like that's amazing. Yes. That is an amazing thing for all of us to get a hold of more and more. I think probably for all of eternity, yeah. how good that is and how much he loves us, but he's well pleased with us because of Jesus. Mm. And that's like amazing. It is. And it seems like as you're saying it, it seems so simple and yet it can take a lifetime to grab a hold of it. It doesn't have to though. I think what you're doing with your resources and what I love about reInvent is it fast tracks 
that concept for us. So you're building on the concept early on. I want to talk a little bit about it. Um, it, you got your story right kind of toward the beginning. You talk about your own reinvention story. So I'd love for you to lean in a little bit more than that, but you released it in 2020, ironically, right, <laughs> right before the pandemic. So which was just from a practical standpoint, like it so stinks. I mean, I released Fearless October the year before and you have all these speaking engagements and all this stuff. And then everything was just crumbling. So I feel like maybe now more than ever, it's maybe no one you know, maybe they didn't see it at the point right. that COVID was happening. We were all drowning in all of that, but now they can be like, wait a minute, this is a perfect time for me to get a hold of this book reinvent. So you didn't, you had no idea, you know, when you're releasing yeah. this, it's going to be, you know, right in the heels of that. So tell a little bit about your own reinvention story. You mentioned a tiny bit of it a minute ago, and then, you know, it's loaded with reinvention strategies. So share a little bit about the heart behind how God even gave you this book. Okay, sure. I mean, my story is I'm the oldest of four girls. We were raised Roman Catholic. Hmm. When I was eight years old, my parents separated. Hmm. Well, so we had to go into instant reinvent mode. And as the oldest, you know how it is. It's the oldest, yeah. you kind of feel responsible for your siblings. Yep. And I had to help my mother. And so I had to go right into reinvent mode. And also what happened then, because I, I didn't know it until years later, but you know, when your father leaves, it does something to you. Mm. And um, there's that relationship that, you know, there's trauma and all the things they talk about, which I, I really never knew. And every, I always tried to look at the cup half full, to be honest, but as you get older, God then goes kind of to work in your heart and does a lot of great reinvention. And in the process of all of that, you know, I, I came through really what's in the book. Uh, what happened was I was, I was going to write one more book. I said, Lord, I feel like you want me to write another book. I think this would be my last book, you know, famous mm. last words. Yeah. I think this would be my last book. And I took a whole year, just really focused on writing it. And I said, I, I'm not going to hold anything back. I'll tell every story that I can think of that'll help people. Everything I know that was life-changing for me, mm. I'll just put it in that book and then we'll be done. And so that's what I did. And then um, the book was released May 5th, right as COVID is starting. Like the best title for the year, exactly. the worst possible time. <laughs> at least, at yeah. least it's like, well, we had a reinvent conference planned. We had national speakers coming in. We had a big, you know, launch the book reinvent conference. And so we had to reinvent our reinvent conference to be a virtual mm-hmm. conference, which it turned out great. I mean, you know, it all, it all still worked out. But um, now that we're out of COVID, like you said, you know, I, I feel like by God's design, you know, he, he knew all of that. Yeah. And I do feel like, you know, we start the book basically talking about the gap yes. and how all of us have gaps of ideal self and real self. And we thought by now I would be here, but in real self, I'm here. And this mm-hmm. gap can be heartbreaking. You know, mm-hmm. that verse that says hope deferred makes the heart sick. Yeah. I think for a lot of us, depending on, you know, people's age and stuff, you have dreams, you have visions for your life, for your kids, for your marriage, for your ministry. And you hit a certain age and you say, God, how come we're not there yet? And the gap seems so big and almost impossible at times. But then I think, I feel like that's where the Holy spirit says, I'm going to help you reinvent right here's what we're going to reinvent. Of course we talk about it in the book, but the Genesis, the catalyst for me was I spoke at a, uh, a business person's conference years and years ago. And I said, Lord, what, what, what can I say to business people? We've pastored a church, you know, and, yeah. but he gave me, I feel like he just literally pulled a story out of the Bible in second Kings four and gave me the story of the, you know, single mother of two boys 
and talking to the prophet Elisha. Yeah. And he asked her four questions. He literally asked her four reinvent questions. Mm. And so I shared that 25 years ago and they, they ate it up. They loved it. It helped it helped people. And it just has been cooking all of these years. And when I wrote this book, I thought, ah, that's, that's what this book is about. It's about those four questions because that's how we reinvent. So, you know, that's kind of the story, my story, and then how the book came to be as well. It's so, it's so rich. It's one of those things that I think we could read and then you could read it another time at another season and get something new out of it. Now that you explain that, I can see how it's like your life's work. It's almost like Uh your life's, you know (laughs) what I mean? Your life is poured into this and that is no surprise to me. I think even just acknowledging, putting in, putting language to something like a gap. Okay. There's a gap and coming out of COVID. I think maybe the gap is wider for people than it was the gap in their marriage seems wider. The gap in their finances might be wider, even the gap in their own disappointment. You mentioned dreaming and hoping. And I think for a while there, Beth, it felt like self-indulgent to even hope or dream because it kept getting deferred, delayed that can feel very disheartening or you're reinventing. I've talked to so many leaders, pastors, female authors, and speakers. They are just almost reinventing burnout because you're like, I got to reinvent myself. I got to reinvent myself. But if we don't recognize the gap and I, the way you frame it out, I love is okay. Instead of the gap feeling so negative, think of the gap being the opportunity now of where does God want to reinvent something, an approach, a strategy, the way you're doing life. So guys, when you get the book, I mean, start with the basics as well, but but this is divided in those two sections. The first is what we're talking about, the gaps and the awareness of it. And then the back half is taking the story from Second Kings and looking at those questions. So let me just drill down on a couple of things I loved. I would love to get your thoughts a little bit more. So you talk about renewing our mind, which I love that whole section, renewing our mind through the word. Why do you think that's such a critical part of reinventing ourselves and And how do we even, you even talk about renovating with paint from Uh that vantage point. So talk about that for a little bit, because I think it's so important for people to have an under, an understanding of what steps to try to take as they're looking to reinvent their life. Yes, totally. Well, because I think so many of us, the Christian life is not supposed to be this hard. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's supposed to be fun and there's supposed to be Mm. full joy, joy unspeakable, you know? So, so where's the disconnect? So then we try to transform ourselves and Mm. we fail. We always fail. We cannot do it. But in Romans 12, as you know, it talks about be transformed by the renewing or literally the renovating of your mind. And what I found is the less I tried to transform myself and the more I intentionally painted the walls of my mind with God's word. Like for an example, maybe people come out of COVID or out of divorce and they feel so rejected. Mm-hmm. I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Nobody loves me. I'll never have a future. I'm, you know, all the, all the lies of the enemy. Yeah. If that's what the paint colors are on the walls of our mind, we've been transformed into feeling like a reject. Yeah. But if we will paint the walls of our mind with, I am my beloved's and he is mine. Mm-hmm. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And you know, lots of verses. Yeah. If you'll paint, if we will paint the walls of our mind with God's word, it'll just take a little time. You don't put up one coat of paint over navy blue on your dining room and it's done. You have to keep painting it to get the color you want. And if we'll do that, we don't have to try to be transformed. We are transformed. And one day you wake up and you go, I'm accepted in the beloved. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not a reject. Like it'll just, it'll just happen without like trying. If that makes sense. Yeah, because I've even written in one of the books I've written, I talk about the lies that we believe end up becoming labels we wear. And that's, you even talked about that. You have a whole section of you believing for a while that, you know, no one's, no one's really going to love me. You know, your friends are getting married. Your sisters (laughs) were married. My sisters were married before you. There was so much I could relate to. And you're like, what is happening here? So I don't think women realize that there's men that listen here too, but those lies over time become cemented into belief systems, into strongholds, and they end up becoming those vain imaginations. They're not really true, but they're true to us. And so those are what you're talking about, Beth, here is we have got to renovate. We have to be aware of it, you know, to even be aware, wait a minute, these are lies that are now labels. I'm literally wearing this. I'm not good enough. I'm unloved. I'm sure you've seen that what awareness get, have you had from being in ministry so long? Cause you and your husband have passed for a long time, just like me and my husband, how were you, what experiences, I guess, that you've had with people helped you to know, look, that's a, that's a building block. You have to renovate your mind. If in, in other words, otherwise we're just talking about a self-help book. We're talking about right. transformation through self-help. That's not what this book is. This no. is yes. We're active in the participation of it, but there's a big difference between re- reinventing through the word of God and just transforming through self-help. Maybe talk about why your own experiences with people have, has made that so crucial for you. Well, it's exactly right. What you're saying is exactly right. We're talking about God's power that does the transforming, but we go with the process he has set up for that to happen. So, you know, that scripture, and I think it's in first Peter, it talks about if you want to love life, Keep your tongue from speaking evil mm. and your lips that they speak no falsehoods. And in the Bible, evil isn't like what we normally think of evil. Evil is unbelief. Yeah. So we've observed with people, if we can help them begin to change what they say, because if they keep saying, I'm so stressed, I'm so depressed, my husband hates me, I hate my job. If they just keep the same, you know, cassette tape yeah, going, playing. Mm-hmm. then they're, then they're not going to love life or see good days. But if the Bible's true, if it is true that if we want to love life and see good days, a huge piece of that is our tongue, mm. then let's just cooperate with God's process yeah. and let's renovate our mind. And we renovate, we paint our mind with the words we say. Yeah. So you can paint, we can paint our mind and allow the Lord then to take the process he gave us to bring the transformation. But what I love is it's a rest. And I feel like so many times we strive in the Christian life. I mean, I know I did. I've strived and that's not God's plan. It's like, "Er, time out. Don't strive. I want you to rest, work my process, but do it from a place of rest. And then let me do what only I can do. What God can Mm -hmm. only God can do the transformation. So I feel like it sort of takes the pressure off in a way. And it gives us really practical handles of how to put God's word into practice, but it's his power. It's his work. We just work the process. That's so good. And that goes back to me. It's hard to enter into rest unless you feel that knowing that you're loved. Yeah. I think it connects the dots of that. Like I'm striving because I think it's up to me. And I think somehow I'm earning the love of God. When I realize I'm loved, it doesn't make me lazy. It makes me want 
to, to cooperate with God more and take his divine assignments and step out in faith and believe it. Even for example, yesterday I was at church and I don't know who did it. I posted it on my social media channels today. Somebody had typed up a little note Beth, and put it on my front seat. And it was a scripture from Luke 145, where it, Elizabeth says to Mary, blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord said he would do would be fulfilled through her. Now I'm paraphrasing just a tiny bit because I don't yeah. have in front of me. And I was looking around like, who dropped this on my seat? Uh-huh. And it's, it's, it's been a challenge my, in my life to not feel like who me, like I'm too unworthy, unqualified, un something. We put an un something in yeah. there. And right. that chapter of Luke chapter one is kind of expanding what you're talking about here. But if you back up from Elizabeth saying that to her, when the angel comes to Mary and says, listen, this is going to happen for you. This huge assignment you didn't ask for. And she's pregnant with purpose and literally pregnant with the Messiah. Her response initially is, well, what? I mean, it's a lot to take in, but then she says, yeah, I mean, it would be for any of us, but then she says something so telling, which is let it be unto me, as you have said. So that is the like, okay, I'm going to rest that you love me. Your plans are good for me. If you're calling me to this, okay, then let it be done. So to me, that's the bookend part of Elizabeth saying, blessed is she who believes you hitting on belief. We have to believe sometimes we don't believe, but we need to put our mouth in gear to say, God, yes, thank you that I can believe that what you have said to me will be fulfilled. I don't know why that is so hard, Beth, if it's just the lies or the, but what you're encouraging us is live. We can live our best life. It doesn't have to be, doesn't mean we're not going to have pain or disappointment or loss. We're not saying that we're not minimizing that, but I'm just saying in, in the middle of that, in spite of it, because of it, we can still choose it. So speak to some of that. That's a lot I threw out, but that has resonated with me today about blessed is she who believes that what the Lord says and has promised her will be fulfilled. I love it. No, I totally. And I mean, sometimes we feel like, but it can't be that easy. Okay, fine. I believe, I believe, but what else? Yeah. Maybe there's, maybe there's not a lot of what else other than obey whatever God tells you and puts in your heart to do, of course, you know, obey the Lord, but, but not from the striving position. You know how it says in Romans, I think it's something like, um, something like with joy and peace in believing. Mm. So I feel like to me, the litmus test and what helps us to stay in that place of rest and trusting the Lord, not striving is there should be joy and peace in believing. Yeah. And so when we believe God's promises, what for whatever, you know, physical healing for our destiny, our purpose, our kids, if we find though, in the middle of it, I'm still so anxious. I'm still so like angry. I'm still so, you know, wound up. Okay. All that means is you're not fully in believing yet. Yeah. You're in hoping and that's good, but let's just keep painting our mind with God's word to get really to the point of, I believe it. Okay. Got it. I believe it. I believe that what the Lord said he'll do. And what accompanies that is joy and peace. So Mm. to me, I always sort of check myself. You have to be a little bit brutally honest. I just check myself and go, you got joy and peace? Are you anxious? Are you jealous? Are you envious? Are you mad? Are you? Mm. And if I am, I have to go back and go, okay, just keep renewing my mind with God's word to get to believing. And then there's joy and peace. That's so good. It's so good. I I feel like this is one of the best books I've read in so long, maybe because it is 
and the time frame we're reading it, I just feel like everyone needs to read it. I don't care who you are. We have all had to reinvent some part of our life. There's just no way around it right now. And I think as you read it, you realize, oh my goodness. I mean, I've been a believer my whole life, Beth, and I'm still learning and applying. It's also very practical. It's not just theoretical. It's here's some practical questions. What do you want? You know, coming straight out of that, the passage you talked about. So, so great. So back to the basic series is so good. Getting a grip on the basics. Her newest one is getting grips on the basics of prayer. She kind of outlined some of that reinvent, start fresh and love life. Maybe, or maybe not be your, obviously it wasn't your last book because now you have the prayer book. So never, <laughs> we never know when God is done. Right. So I just yeah. cannot, I cannot recommend it about, uh, enough. And, um, so how would you want them to get it? I know the back, the basic series and reinvent all of your resources. Where would you like them to go, Beth? Sure. Thank you. Well, if they go to the basics with Beth.com, everything's there, all the okay. resources and all that good stuff. And um, it would be great. I would love to connect with them and I hope they enjoy the books and let's get to the basics. So good. So good. And let's get back to reinventing and moving forward into purpose and destiny. So guys, Beth is going to pray for us in just a minute, but I always love to ask this question. So other than Jesus, we've talked about, you know, on the podcast here of the ways we make our life matter. And you've, you've just shared such great insight and wisdom with us today, Beth, the way that you're making your life matter for the kingdom, not only have you done it in pastoring your church, but in these resources that we all need uh, that are helping us to make our life matter and not just matter, but matter with joy and peace. I think that's so crucial. I don't, we're not supposed to be white knuckling it, right. And just like grin and bearing this Christian life, which that's not attractive to anybody like, well, they don't seem very happy, but I guess I'll give my life to the Lord. It's supposed to be making your life matter with, with a rich, abundant life. And so I'm curious to know, other than Jesus, who in the Bible has inspired you to make life matter? Maybe it's someone you can't wait to meet in heaven or someone you just, you know, your heart beats a little bit faster when you read about them. Who's that person for you? That's great. Well, I mean, of course, you know, all the Bible characters, but I guess in a way, the one I, for whatever reason, have resonated with, maybe because he's a writer and a pioneer, hmm. it is the Apostle Paul. And maybe that just seems kind of weird because I, maybe I should pick a girl, you know, in the Bible. But it is the Apostle Paul because he pioneered so many things. Hmm. He wasn't raised, you know, as a Christian. True. Um, and he wrote so many things to help establish us in the basics. So I just feel like, you know, I, I, I can't wait to meet Paul. I can um, see that. But the other, I'll give you the other one. That's a funny one. There's five sisters. I think the dad's name is like Zeliophad, something like that. Okay. Five sisters in the Old Testament. And having come out of a family of all girls like you, it's like those girls went to Moses one day and said, Moses, we don't have any brothers. Surely we get some property. That's right. Inheritance. And he went to the Lord and, and the Lord said, Hey, the sisters are right. And I just loved it. Like the sisters are right. How are those sisters? <laughs> I love that. I know it's such an obscure little passage, but they got this inheritance that technically they wouldn't have been entitled to. I love the fact that they spoke up and it, and it, yeah. it shows that it's, you know, women have a voice, women that feel marginalized or feel less than it's such a powerful message. And like you said, being from a family of girls, no one has ever said that people have said Paul, but I promise you, you're the first one daughters of somebody somewhere. I remember reading it. We'll call them the Z man daughters of the Z man daughters. I love it. Hey, we need some money too. We need an inheritance. We're entitled. So 
I love it, Beth. I'm so grateful I met you. I know that was such a God connection in January, and I just can't wait to see where God is going to take not only our friendship, but just the way he's using you, your husband, kind of in a new season in your life. But I know you're not done with the way that you're resourcing men and women. And uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for just, I love just the investment of your life. Hey, this is what I've learned. This is what I've accumulated over life. How can I just get it out here? And uh, yeah, they're great resources, guys. So please go check out Beth Jones. If you, if you know where you're just loving her more, and if she's new to you, check out her resources. And I would love for you to pray over us today, Beth. Thank you so much for taking your time here on the podcast. Totally. Thank you so much too. Super thankful. Let me pray. Father, we just lift up each and every person that's watching, that's listening. And Father, we just pray for a fresh deposit of grace to be imparted into their spirit today. Grace to help them reinvent, to help them in this season of life, to know what they need to know, to do what they need to do. And Father, that in the end, you get all the glory. They get the benefit. Jesus is lifted up and we thank you, Lord, for a deposit of grace right now in Jesus name. And all the people said, amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com. Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.